Test, test, test. The heater is not on, so we don't need to just wait 15 seconds before we start the episode. I can just say, hi everybody, welcome to Export Audio, episode 73. I didn't really think about how you were finishing your sandwich, so I'm really giving you some time to chew. <laughs> My name is Autumn. My chewing friend's name is Nora. I'm gonna let her just finish that sandwich there. I'm gonna take a sip of this green tea. We have a giant slurp cast real quick. I've got some green tea. I've got some tomatoes. I'm gonna be just enjoying those throughout the podcast. Nora being the responsible podcast host and doing all that before the podcast begins, or she would have if I were not a tremendous dick and started the podcast while she was Mullen she just put the last bite in her mouth and she's chewing it now. Daddy does not really seem to enjoy podcasting, but I said her name and she's enjoying some pets here. Um, I'm running out of things to say, so you can finish You that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. <laughs> you suck. <coughs> Here's what I'm going to do. Um... I'm probably going to boost all those previous parts a little bit, uh, and then I'm just going to turn the gain up. We've had the gain way down the last couple episodes, and I've been like having to normalize the whole file and do all this trickery with Levelator. We can just, with this heater off, we can just put the gain at a good place. Yeah, to the where... heater works now, so sometimes it, sh- it shuts off. Yeah, sometimes it says, oh, house is 70 degrees, I can just shut off now. Um... I'm going to turn it back down a little bit, but I think we're at a good place where we can just do the episode I'm like this. I'm sad that I'm out of turkey because I wanted to make another sandwich, but I'm out of turkey. I can't make another sandwich. I asked before I went to the store if you wanted anything. I didn't. I was not in a state to... That's fair. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> you were having a mild emotional breakdown. That's my words. Uh-huh. Twitter.com, yes. And I should not have expected you to have turkey consciousness. At that we moment. all aspire to turkey consciousness. I think that's what, in the third act of Death Stranding. I think that's what that is about: is turkey consciousness. Uh, it's what Marx really wanted for everybody: is yeah, turkey consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Marx, oh, we have uh, he's a, right here. <laughs> our special guest, the corpse of Marx. Oh, we are blowing it out a little bit. I'm going to turn it down just a little more. Apologies, listeners. I'm really trying to get used to this whole new system where the microphone is just going <clears> to. <throat> We're just gonna figure it out. Guten Morgen, ich heiße Karl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, what's yeah. what's what's being dead like? Uh, scheiße. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Carl, uh, what do you think you learned from um, the revolutions and the application of your theory throughout the twentieth century? <sighs> <laughs> Interesting. This is next out. Dummkopfen. Can I ask you another question, Carl? Uh, are you German? I genuinely don't know. I thought Karl Marx was German. I'm pretty sure he is. Is I'm Engels gonna, German? Uh, Engels is definitely a German surname, right? Okay. I don't know anything about Germany. Ask me anything about Germany. Uh, when did Germany start? When did they make it? <laughs> After the Holy Roman Empire. 
which was, was neither holy nor Roman. <laughs> which was kind of proto-Germany, from what I understand. It was sort of a proto-culture. Did did Bismarck make Germany? Is that the thing that he did? Bismarck is a ship, I'm pretty sure. Otto von Bismarck? I played as him in Civ V a couple times. My first game of Civ V, I played as I him because I said it to random leader. It's a boat. I don't think... I think there's also a man that the boat is named after. Yes, he was born in Trier. Just Did like he Marx. make Germany? Yes, Karl Marx made Germany. Okay. He started the company. So, I almost clapped. I know, I saw it and I thought, mm, I'm gonna... Mm. Here's the thing, clapping is just a normal part of my speech pattern sometimes, especially yes. when I get into performance mode like this. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's part of your customer service. Yes. And it's not great podcasting, so I'm going to really try to contain that. If we had good equipment, it would be great podcasting. That's true. Um, so I don't, I don't... Do I look like Jeff Gersman? Not does really. It, does this look like a CBS Enterprise? <laughs> no. Uh, we're recording this in our basement. I'm eating tomatoes. Giant Bomb is a better CBS Enterprise than most CBS Enterprises. Are you proud of that one? <laughs> you sh you happy with that? I'm pretty happy with it, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I have three things planned for today's podcast. Oh, shit. One, just well, catching up on some life stuff since mm -hmm, our last mm -hmm. export. You know, everybody comes here because they love us as a couple and want to know about our lives. Okay. Two, uh, we're going to explain fascism. Okay. We'll just wrap that one up, you know. Uh-huh, yeah. And three. We're going to fuck. No, we're going to talk about Terminator 3 and probably the Terminator franchise. Did you know that Skynet is Helena Bottom Carter? We'll get there. We'll get there. That's we not a Terminator 3. I haven't seen that yet. It's not a Terminator 3. That's in Terminator Salvation. Skynet is Helena Bottom Carter. It's kind of... Hmm. So, uh, last time you heard me, um, <clears throat> I was on my deathbed. I've bounced back after an ER visit. Um, feeling a little better. You should clarify that that's not all of that is not literally true because when you say deathbed and then you went to the ER, it's like, oh, this bit is not so funny anymore. But literally, the last time, the last time you all heard me, you did want to die. I did want to die. I was really fucking sick. I was in a bad place last time we podcasted. I should not have podcasted that day. I told you I wasn't sure about putting that episode out in general. I'm glad we did, because I think folks enjoyed it. But that was not my best performance. You did not get this autumn on that podcast. No. At all. Um, but I went to the ER. They gave me some medicines. It's going okay. One of the medicines makes everything taste like metal all the time. So that's just a fun wrinkle to my life for the next 10 days uh, where I'm going to have a bad time with that. But that's fine. At least you uh, are able to sleep at night. Yes, at least I am able to sleep again. I love <laughs> to sleep. I really wasn't doing that for like a week. Uh, except for the one day where I could sleep again and so I slept 16 hours? How much did I sleep on Sunday? It's basically the whole day. Basically. Because I had, like... I am still a little congested, which is why I have no uh, 
problems with sipping my tea on the podcast. I am just going to keep sipping my tea on the podcast uh, because I am congested. And you all can just live with that, I guess, honestly. I remember you did sleep pretty much the whole day because you did stumble in while I was on a date and just were like... What's what time is it? Where am I? What's going on? Dale Cooper voice, what year is it? <laughs> you don't get that joke. Don't laugh at that. Isn't that a character from King of the Hill? Dale is a King of the Hill character? Is that not? <clears throat> Alright. You don't get to criticize me. <laughs> Why not? I said so. Oh, fair. Okay. Uh, is that all we have? What have you been up to this week? That's all. That's the autumn update is I missed a bunch of work. Everybody has been very kind to me online. Uh, I posted my uh, coffee link the day after my emergency room visit. And essentially, I said in that tweet it was 20 hours at work. I did the math and it's more like 28. I've missed about 28 hours of work because of all this sickness. And I have made back more or less what I, maybe more than what I would have made working those 28 hours from everybody helping out on coffee. So that is a tremendous relief. You did cry. I did cry. Yes. I spent a lot of the day after the ER crying. Spent a little bit of today crying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just going to stealthily take those. Oh, not so stealthily. No, I tried. I was trying to find another method of tomato gathering that was less noisy, and I found a much noisier method of tomato. But you have this fucking weird Star Wars contraption that holds all of the grapes. I know. It's weird. It's not grapes. They're grape tomatoes. Grape tomatoes. Is that like a grapple? Sure. You know what grapples? I don't know grapples. <laughs> it came up on Shriek Shack. They're apples that had grape juice, like, put in them. Oh, that sounds kind of good. I, apparently they did not taste that great. It sounds kind of good. I like apples and I like grape juice, so I don't know. I don't know shit about shit. What have you been up to? Uh, I played Outer Worlds. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about Outer Worlds on the podcast? Not really, because I talking... want to write about it. Yeah. Because I'm... It sucks. It sucks? Well, it's very fun. Okay. The video game works. Okay. The more assured you are of what you're going to do in a quest that has a choice, the more adamant the game is about, hey, you know you could do something else. Hey, you know you could think about the other side of things. Okay. Like, the more con like committed you are to one outcome, the more the game tries to rubber band you back to the center because it's primarily concerned with A... Um, Getting you to see the middle ground as a space to get into to make decisions from and B, give you the choice uh, or give you the feeling of mulling over a decision and thinking about consequences. <clears throat> Even if those consequences are nothing. Mm -hmm. it, it, this is the thing of these games. This is just a decision simulator. All right. Because okay. the one part of the gameplay experience that it wants to impart is the feeling of thinking about something and deciding something and seeing the consequences of that decision and that choosing your decision is is the whole thing. That's why the game tricked Patrick Klepek into being uh, an, an asshole. Yeah. Patrick Klepek uh, wrote 
piece about the first quest in the game where there's a town and it's a shitty capitalist hellscape and a bunch of people left to go start a commune and figured out a way to um, grow things in the soil again, which the capitalists can't do because of the pollution. Um, the twist there is that they use human bodies to enrich the soil, which is played as some sort of horror thing instead mm-hmm. of like a thing that would be normal. Yeah, it I feel th- like didn't really make me rethink anything, but I feel like that really only works if you're like that really only works as a horror twist if you're really invested in I Christian I not even like like very like traditional Christian ideas about the soul and like the body the body and internment like uh, very am i using that word right i might not in, be using that word right <laughs> um but even then like every christian like sort of uh ideological space that i've ever been in w- would teach that the body is not important in that way right and so it, you'd have to like throw throw way back but like yeah exactly like oh it's gross human bodies but like whatever we all, we yeah. are, we all know that we decompose we use shit in our fertilizer yeah like, like i don't know i don't know in a like <clears throat> in a world that is like on the brink of decimation by global warming like as an ecologically minded person if you said to me we have this new fertilizer that can like do good with the soil but we have to use the bodies of like dead people i'd be like yeah sure graveyards take up a great deal of space and resources in this country and like if we can use people mm-hmm. for things instead sure. of just i don't think that there's anything particularly sacred about a dead body but you know whatever yeah anyway uh the point is the game makes a character you like advocate for the wrong choice uh-huh basically you go to the power plant because you need a part for your ship and the town has one and the other community has one and to get it out you would need to take the power away from that community and take it from them so you either reroute all power to the botanical garden and like help the people who broke off from the town or you send all the power to the town and you leave the people out there to be like uh, either starve or come back or be killed by marauders. By the way, marauders are just people who forsook society and just immediately became like inhuman, like raving Borderlands characters, I guess. Better than being addicted <clears throat> to shipping packages. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. They're not mules. But they basically turn into Borderlands characters, because they, they're like, ah, I bet your insides look pretty, or whatever. Cool. Um, and they're screaming and running around like they're constantly high. And it's just like, these are not treated as people by anyone, like whether they're the good guys or not. And there's no attempt made to humanize them in any way as to why people would choose to leave the society of the colony, which, whatever. Well, I'm getting off track. My point is, the game makes a character you like advocate for the bad choice, which is to, obviously, uh, 
not take the power away from the town. The, mm. the company town where everyone works at the same company. Yeah. Uh, and they work at a cannery and they only eat fish and so they have a plague from malnutrition. Uh, yeah, Patrick on one of the podcasts did describe <clears throat> like the conditions that these people are living in and it sounds pretty horrific and it sounds pretty much exclusively the fault of a corporation and like no no one person inside of it uh, i mean there's there's the manager that he talks about uh who's definitely largely at fault but it sounds like the problems of a corporation like subjugating people yeah and like that guy can't change it even if he wanted to yeah and he doesn't want to yeah but when presented with the if you take the power away from the the community Hmm. And you send it back to the town, and then you tell him, hey, you know, they figured out a way to grow crops and everything, and they don't have a plague because they have more food. He's like, oh, shit, well, she should be in charge instead of me, because I've, I've failed everyone, and if she can solve these problems, I'll leave mm-hmm. to die in the wilderness, because she won't come back if he's still around. Okay. It's stupid. It's stupid. But it's like, anyway, my point is, Patrick is wrong. He did the bad choice. Yes. And also, he found a way to couch it in, like, a weird, like... On the podcast, and let me tell you, tell me if I'm off track, but on the podcast, he couched it in, like, well, this character that I like is actually from here, and so they would be more... And so, he's just a good ally. But that's, like, goes against the whole point of the game. (laughs) Because the point of the game is you need to get these chemicals to wake up all the other people on the Hope, which is the ship that your character was taken out of. The It was supposed to show up in the colony 70 years ago, but it's, it broke and had to make the, the journey in real time instead of at light speed. So they're way behind. More importantly, the people on that ship are the best and brightest. They're super smart. They're su- experts in their field. Um, but also, judging from the, um, backgrounds you you can choose for your character, a person who's also from this ship, it's things like assistant chef or cashier. Mm. Like, this is the height of, of what humanity can be. This, this is the best and brightest. Okay. So it's, like, I have... So mm, not, like, because, nuclear physicist or Nobel no, laureate. No. no. Which, I mean, they, they want it both ways. Yeah. Um, but basically, the whole point of the game is to get those people to wake up so that they can fix everything. Mm-hmm. And they're not from here. The reason that they can fix everything, the reason that they're so smart is because they haven't been through 70 years of, like, brainwashing by the corporations, basically. They're not on their phones all the time. Like these. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not as bad as fucking Wally, which does this, except also they're fat. Yeah, also they're fat. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Outer Worlds. A lot. Of, I feel like. Does Chris, Chris Avalon work on Outer Worlds? Do we know that? Not as far as I know, because Chris Avalon had his weird. Right. Pardon the pun. Pardon the pun. Chris Avalon had his weird fallout. With um, <laughs> with uh, Obsidian, I where forgot. 
Some of our other friends know more about this. There's something where he was posting on like a forum for white supremacists about how bad Obsidian is. I don't know much about that. I forgot that was Obsidian. I thought that was Bethesda. Anyway, my point being, somebody at Obsidian really liked Idiocracy. Uh-huh. Um, but so anyway, I was just going to say that Patrick, like, couched that choice in this rhetoric about being, like, not wanting to be the savior from the stars to come in and tell people how to, how to like, live their lives better when they're the ones with the lived experience. But, it, like, the game... The character, your player character doesn't have that agency. They are literally woken up out of cryos sleep and thrown down to the planet and told to, like, get a ship and get back up here. Right. Like, the, you don't have the agent, you don't have any agency. You are, like, thrust into this position where everyone wants you to deal with their shit. Mm hmm. And, you, like, it does not feel like I'm being elevated to the person with control who, like, steers the ship it feels more like you're just being thrown into the ship and you have to you you are just having all these responsibilities shoved on you and your character is not really able to say that they don't want it so can i are you is that like where you're at with outer worlds right now <clears throat> I, start, I know you want to write about it i started a new Play through to see the evil side. And uh -huh. I don't know. We'll see. It seems to maybe suck. the evil side will like get you to figure out whatever you want to write about it. Maybe I don't know. It seems like it has the same problem Kotor has, where if you choose to be evil, the reasons they allow you to say you are being evil for suck. Mm -hmm. So I have one thing which is tangentially related, tangentially related, and short. And then I have maybe, like, a long thing shooting <clears throat> off from your Outer Worlds talk. I didn't mean to go on this long. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I think it's, like, an interesting thing to talk about. And I only came and in with I only came in with the two plans. And this is, like, a whole other podcast that I find really interesting. And so I want to pursue this podcast. I am not going to write any of that stuff in whatever I write about Outer Worlds. Because I'm not just going to write a hit piece about Patrick Klepek. <laughs> right. Right. I think that... He made the bad choice and found a weird backwards justification for it that doesn't actually stand up. But I'm not going to sit here on my medium and do a call-out post for Patrick Klepek. Right. Um, Same way I didn't do anything, didn't say anything about the Code Vein piece that I read that I didn't like at all. But that's a different story. So, short thing from me, shooting off from this, which is just that <clears throat> you've been playing Outer Worlds... I have been, the last year I've been really trying to get myself into a state, and anime has helped this, where I, like, start a thing and finish it. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and anime has helped this, where I'm high 24-7? God, I wish. <laughs> God, I wish. Um, if you know how to buy weed, but specifically in our area. <laughs> yeah, if you live in the same place that we do and know how to buy weed, don't tell us that's illegal, but, like, we should hang out sometime. That's legal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Parody, parody, TM, TM, TM. Right, of course, yeah. Fair use. 
Whatever. I don't know. Nobody who owns the IP on weed. <laughs> weed Inc. is not going to sue us. Give me a weed second. California I'm, is not going to I'm sue us. I'm typing that into the export audio chat so that I don't forget it. No one owns the copyright on weed. No, it's the IP. The, the IP... Okay, I have that in the export audio chat now, and so I will just remember this episode title. You can also say no one owns the weed IP, but that's not a direct quote. Yeah. Weed California is a place I learned about recently. Okay. Founded by a, a man whose last name was Weed, and his first name might have been Abner. I don't remember. Okay. You can continue. I'm sorry. No. I sure wish I had some sort of snack or drink down here in the... Down here in Studio One, but uh, we don't have that. I have that. I know. You have that. If you wanted to go get something, I could just take my short tangent uh, and just like run it as long as <clears> it takes. What's your short me. tangent about? Video games. Okay, go. Are you going to go? Or <laughs> Maybe, are you gonna... unless this okay. is interesting. <laughs> so, because anime, I've been trying to get myself into a place where I start something and finish it. But mm -hmm. my natural state which I'm not a huge fan of. I really don't like being this way, but I have kind of reverted back to it in my sickness this week, is that I've played three hours of Resident Evil 7 and 30 minutes of Resident Evil 4 and, like, three hours of Dragon's Dogma and, like, one hour of Breath of the Wild, and I'm just really all over the place, and Nora is leaving... Right as I kind of finished what I was saying, so now I'm going to have to come up with something to say about all these video games. So just go, go, okay, okay. be gone, thought. <laughs> um, Silence, bottom. <laughs> so yeah, I've been like um, dipping my toes. I've dipped my toes into like four different games. I played 30 minutes of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker today. That game's good. Um... I'm just kind of bouncing all over the place, um, and sorry, I shouldn't have taken a slurp of my tea while I'm the only one on the podcast. That really fucked everything up. Um, but, um, it's weird. Uh, I want to get past it, but I'm just giving myself the space to be this thing that I, to do this thing that I do sometimes, uh, while I've been sick. I've also, I've listened to 30 minutes of, uh... Splinter in the Mind's Eye, and, like, three or four hours of the last in a trilogy of books I talked about before. Uh, this book is called uh, A Conjuring of Light. Um, I've listened to, like, two hours of that. I've listened to one episode of the Spring and Hylon uh, epilogue. Like, I've really just been all over the place, and so... I don't know if it was on the podcast or just, like, in real life. I was really lamenting how um, I've been in a place where I have not had time to do many hobbies because um, all of my time has been at work or prepping things for podcasts, like watching Titans, watching uh, stuff for Cower Hour, even though I'm not on that, watching Aeroplane. Being sick has totally derailed all of that, and so in a place where I no longer have to prep things for podcasts, I have just played little bits of four or five different things, and hopefully... How's that treating you? The goal for next week is to 
concentrate all those energies into just playing one thing. I haven't decided what that one thing like is yet. Like the Death yet. Star laser charging up to fire upon the peaceful planet of Alderaan. Like, that's what it should be, right? Um, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. You should conjure those energies into a cone that fires out and makes the peaceful planet of Alderaan explode twice. <laughs> it's a weird thing no one talks about is how that planet blows up twice. Yeah. There's an explosion and then it plays a second explosion. It's weird. Um, it's just proof that uh, it was an interesting <coughs> job. You did say to me earlier tonight that Attack of the Clones is about how Bush did 9-11. Yeah. Which is a thing that makes perfect sense, and also I wasn't ready for it. Bush did 9-11 and also all the rest of it. Yes. Is the is the main thing, because the both armies are made by the same person in Star Wars, so it's like, I also everyone we shot. I swear, <clears throat> George Lucas has a quote about how no, that scene in Revenge of the Sith is, is just like the election of George Bush. No, that scene, that in that video we watched, that scene is specifically, that quote is specifically about... Caesar, Hitler, and Napoleon. Yes. But, but not, I, sw I no. swear he as says... As far as I know, George Lucas has never said anything about the election of George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, it's gotta be real. I don't know, maybe I'm making things up. I was waiting for a good time to pop this because I, I thought it would sound good when we are talking about conspiracies. Anyway. Um, George Lucas, if you're listening, hello. Love your work. <laughs> okay. Did you do 9-11? George Lucas killed Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've gone too far. We've gone too far. <laughs> What is this now? <laughs> Are you implying that George Lucas is a government agent? I don't know what I'm implying. <sighs> George Lucas is the cops? I don't know. <sighs> Shout out to that person who tweeted that, um... Sandra Bland also did not kill herself, but no one cares about that because they're too busy on their fucking 4chan right-wing conspiracy brain. Bush mm -hmm. did 9-11 shit with Epstein. Mm -hmm. um, that was a good tweet. It was a good... I We all laughed at the guy with the dog who said that uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. We all had a good moment. I was very glad for that tweet to like bring me back down to earth about like, oh yes. This happens in real life. It yeah. has happened for years. Yes. We're not doing Epstein suicide discourse on our podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. We're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> if you want a better, another episode title, that's, that's an all right. <laughs> I want to make the title George Lucas Killed Epstein, but you... No! No! no. <laughs> no. You can't do that. I don't want to do that, but it's really good. Export audio, episode 74, George Lucas... 73. 74. 73. 74, you're right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> anyway. So longer thing shooting off from what you said about Outer Worlds. Uh-huh. Was that... Um, so with the release of Outer Worlds, I was thinking about how... And Skosium. Well, we'll get there. Oh, okay. It's a different thing. I've had this conversation with you, which is why <clears throat> you think Disco Elysium is tied into it, and it will be in just a second. Sorry for fucking speedrunning your your <laughs> takes. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. 
Um, so with the release of Outer Worlds, I was thinking about how um, Outer Worlds is, you know, very much pitched as Obsidian doing New Vegas again, revisiting sort of the same space and ideas as New Vegas, I think. I started New Vegas last night. Right, and I was thinking about playing New Vegas, right? Because, as I was telling you, uh, Fallout 3 uh, was one of my favorite games of the time, still has a fun spot in my heart, even though now I can see how not great Fallout 3 is, you know? Um, And I played so much Fallout 3 that by the time New Vegas came out, I was kind of like, I've had enough. And in the years since then... I've become acquainted with a lot of people who are like, no, New Vegas is so much better, and have talked about all these, like, interesting things. I think Avalon did write that game. Um, like, narratively, I politically, choice-wise. I don't really care whether or not Avalon was involved in anything ever, because I don't give a shit about Chris Avalon. I asked that about... Outer Worlds, because I wasn't sure. I just thought it would be funny to say that Chris Avalon really likes Idiocracy. Okay. I just thought that that, <clears throat> that sentence fair. would be funny. Uh, I don't ever think about Chris Avalon. Okay. It was not a name I was familiar with before last year. Uh, I knew that name from, like, Baldur's Gate or something. Or maybe yeah, it was Planescape. I'm, something D&D. I could be wrong. I, I know he's definitely involved in a couple of the, like, Bioware, Infinity Engine, D&D games. I'm also pretty sure he's heavily involved in KOTOR and perhaps KOTOR 2. <clears throat> Do you want to Google Chris Avalon? Yeah, I'm d- that's what I'm Okay. Um, Fact-checking on the podcast. Also, what if I said fuck New Vegas and just played Fallout? Like Fallout like 1? Like Fallout. Yeah, like that's what you should do. <clears throat> that's what you should do. Like I played New Vegas for like, I don't know, half an hour yesterday, and I was like, hmm, should you move pretty slowly? through this big open world thing, and I don't have a sprint button, I just have a button that makes me go even slower. Mm -hmm. This kind of sucks. Yeah. So I thought about revisiting New Vegas, and partly because it's not on PS4, I kind of nixed that idea. Um, There was something in here I was going to say about how... um, Oh. Right, like... And then I was thinking about how, well, for better or worse, like, the Bethesda RPGs are things I am intimately familiar with. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I am the Morrowind liker. Uh, I don't like Oblivion, but I have probably 150 hours in it. Uh, I have even more in Fallout 3. I have even more in Skyrim, which is narratively the worst of these because Skyrim is like, um, trying to give you both sides choices, whatever, but the two sides are uh, fascist imperialists um, and uh, fucking racist, like, the dudes who stormed that uh, courthouse in Oregon and occupied that. Like, right. that's who the Stormcloaks are. I'm just seeing that Avalon worked on Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, I did know this. Um. Didn't he also work on uh, Into the Breach? Last year? Did I see, hear that? <clears throat> he did, yes. Okay. He also worked on... Uh, oh, you asked me recently if that System Shock remake was still happening. Apparently it is for next year? 
<clears throat> yeah, I thought maybe the System Shock remake got canceled or something, or maybe System Shock 3 got canceled. But here's an interesting thing is that Avalon did not work on Fallout, mm. but on Fallout 2, not as a writer. Interesting. Um, so that's that's fun and flirty. That's promising about Fallout um, 1 He and did two. work on something called Star Trek Starfleet Academy, which is wild. <clears throat> but his first writing credit is... Champions of Norath in 2004 as a script doctor. Hmm. And then KOTOR 2 as a writer. Okay, KOTOR 2. <clears throat> that's the thing. That's the big Avalon. That's the big wet fart. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I played KOTOR, didn't like it. I'm not going to play KOTOR 2 because I'm not going to, like, fix a game to play it. Right. Like, I don't know. that The development of that game seems pretty fraught, so I'm not, like, holding that against the, the devs or anything, but, like... I don't know. I don't have the time to go through KOTOR when it's not on my phone. Mm-hmm. I played KOTOR on my phone at work because I could, and it worked. Like, mm. um, Also, Alpha Protocol and New Vegas were the same year. Really? Yeah. We are the only two people who have thought about Alpha Protocol in 2019. That's true. We're the we only- were talking about Alpha Protocol not two days ago. I was holding my disc of Alpha Protocol not four months ago before I left it in my apartment and left the state. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> but I'm I'm really familiar with the Bethesda style RPGs, and Outer Worlds is pretty clearly like Obsidian playing around in the Bethesda that space. It is, but through the lens of Bioshock. Yes, and the Bioshock is another style of Western RPG that I'm very familiar with. I've played all the Bioshock games. Uh, I played. Sorry. Listen, Bioshock 2 is a great game. That's what I hear. Bioshock 1 it changed... Tech demo for Bioshock 2. <laughs> Bioshock 1 changed how I think about video games. <clears throat> I'm glad it didn't stop there like it did for so many people. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I kept changing after Bioshock 1. But then changed. also that happened again with Bioshock 3 for some people. Yeah. Yeah, like, I we, really... It, the... the, the, the pardon the pun the fallout from bioshock infinite is a is a story we all know yes i don't know if we all know it but the 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 fallout of bioshock infinite is not a story that you and i can tell because i played it like six months after i never never thought about it again i never touched it but i remember like reading the story on wikipedia and then looking around the next day when that game came out and people were talking about how confusing the ending was i put i was like what i played bioshock infinite about six months after it came out i was like this seems a little overhyped. I don't know if I'm going to be as into this, so I'm just going to like wait six months and get it for like $40 instead of 60 Yeah. Because it was 2011 and you could do that. <laughs> um, God, 2011, I was, not, I, was, oh, I was in quote-unquote high school. Uh, and then, like, I played it. I thought the time travel stuff was cool. I didn't care about anything else that was happening in that game it's because I was time a... time travel or else I would have played it. Whatever. I, I thought all that stuff was cool because I was 18 and didn't really know anything about politics yet, and so just never thought about that, and then, like, got a little older and found out that the politics in that game were busted-ass racist trash. I was like, okay, yeah, everybody's right. That's busted-ass racist trash. I'm never going to think about Bioshock Infinite again. <laughs> Moving on. If they made a Bioshock 3 and called it Bioshock 3 and it was in Rapture again, would, would that be a thing? I would play that. Bioshock holds 
a significant enough place in my heart that when 2K eventually reboots that, and I only... It will be called System Shock. That's I, the thing. Yes. It will be called System Shock, and it will ostensibly be related to the original System Shock in some way. Or, here's the other thing, is that they, like, call something else noun shock, adjective shock, and be like, it's the spiritual successor. Because I assume the reason 2K hasn't made another one of those games, because Bioshock Infinite was universally acclaimed, and I believe it sold pretty well. The only reason they haven't made another one of those games, I assume, is because Ken Levine is still at that company and would probably throw a hissy fit if anyone tried to make a Bioshock without him, like they did the one time they made a good Bioshock. <laughs> Um, okay, here's my pitch. Okay. Ether shock. It's like a wizard thing. That'd be cool. But, okay. So I know a lot about Bethesda RPGs. I know a lot about, like, I've played all the Bioshocks. I've probably played four hours of System Shock 2 before someone told me uh, there are invisible spiders in that game, so I quit. Uh, but I have, like, a familiarity. I played... Human Revolution, I haven't played any other Deus Ex game because they seem not like a thing I'd like, but it, it is a style of RPG I'm familiar with. The thing I'm not familiar with, uh, because Disco Elysium came out, is that style of RPG. The Infinity Engine stuff, <clears throat> I don't know anything about Planescape, I don't know about Baldur's Gate. I wouldn't play Baldur's Gate, but um, eh. I might play Baldur's Gate once I was a little more acquainted with the genre. Sure. This is like... I haven't played the original two Fallout games, which, even though I'm a Fallout 3 superfan and I'm given to understand that Fallout 1 and 2 are, like, the real shit. If you like Fallout 3, you but should I play also, Fallout 1 and 2. I have also heard that a lot from a lot of people over the years, and I am, like, super skeptical of it. Not because old game bad, just because, like, old games sometimes busted. I'm like, the Morrowind liker. I can. Just, I know. I know. It's just no, that, like, no. I don't know. I, I'm I'm skeptical that those could be that much better. What I am saying is that I am the Morrowind liker, and I understand that sometimes you vehemently recommend your favorite game to people and not think about how, like, it is totally unapproachable. Now, sometimes I will tell someone, "Yes, Morrowind is the best game ever. You should go play Morrowind," and not think <clears> about how. So people just get mad if they shoot an arrow and it doesn't hit the thing they shot. No, people get mad if they swing an axe and it passes through the model of the target and it says whoosh. That's great. That's I don't bullshit. know what you want from me. Maybe Listen, if they remade Morrowind in the Skyrim engine, I would I, never play another video game. I would love that. That game looks cool. Like it has They a would they would take everything I love about Morrowind out of it. I don't care. If I could just have Morrowind with with 2019 graphics, and it just, like... I'll take 2016 graphics. <laughs> if they just stripped all the heart and soul out of Morrowind, but just gave it to me again, why would, I would be elated. Why would, why would making the game work take the heart and soul out of Morrowind? Because the thing that would take the heart and soul out of Morrowind is <clears throat> cutting down the script because you added voice acting. Okay. If they do the Skyrim thing where there's no text, everything is voice acted, they would have to dramatically cut down the length of that script. 
I think that is probably the number one reason they haven't revisited Morrowind. I don't know, because, like, that... Except in the fucking MMO, which I paid $10 to never think about again. <laughs> I think I told I, that story on this podcast. I know that the Morrowind game map is pretty small, all things considered. And, like, that script is that, like, 1,200 different characters? Because if it's just six characters, they could probably keep that up. I don't know. I also... Also, you know, they find that... It's, I, I don't think... I, I, without having played the game, I feel like they could still do it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I would want spears in that game. They haven't had spears in that game. They haven't had spears in Elder Scroll in a while. I would want... I don't know if I'd want medium armor. I don't know if anyone misses medium armor. Uh, what else would I want? I would want major and minor skills. I would want to pick skills again. I like what... I like what Skyrim does, of Skyrim just literally letting you do every skill up to 100. I like that in Skyrim. I miss choosing a class and doing that. I don't know. I feel like a lot, the way people sell those games to me is by building a character through what you do. And like, oh, Skyrim. I decided to get into gardening, so my gardening stat went up, and I'm a super good gardener. This is an example. I don't know if you can garden in... in no, you can't. But like, that is that is essentially what it is. It's not and RuneScape. Skyrim is, uh, from that perspective of letting the player do whatever they want, a better realization of that. This than... is just the way people pitch this game to me a lot. I don't know if that's ever been the intention of the people making it. I don't know if that's the intention behind Morrowind. That is certainly in the intention behind Oblivion <clears throat> and Skyrim, is you can do and be anything. And so, uh, um, Skyrim literally asks for no specialization from you. You can level up any skill at the exact same rate. I guess you can choose one of those mage, warrior, thief stones to level up some of those things faster, but that's it. Um, I like classes because I like when people come up with new cool names for them. Yeah. Morrowind and Oblivion have some cool names for classes. <clears throat> also, yeah. you could just type in your own name for your class if you want in Morrowind and Oblivion. Okay, question. Yeah. What do you think is more common as a custom class name in... Let's say Morrowind. Okay. Ronin or uh, Ninja? Ronin. Ronin. Ronin is more suited to the sort of game Morrowind is. You think more people typed in Ronin as their... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're 46 minutes in this podcast, and I had a point about Disco Elysium that we started, like, however long ago, which is just that... Um, Disco Elysium made me realize that, oh, no, I did start saying this. I had never, yeah. I haven't played Planescape. I haven't played, like, the sort of RPG that Disco Elysium is, like, taking its lineage from. Uh, and so that might be a thing I'm really interested in exploring. I'm given to understand that Planescape is the one to play. I'm given to understand that, like, if you want to try this genre... Planescape is the one to do, and that is why I have I have downloaded Planescape. I have not installed it yet. 
I'm not playing many games on my PC at all lately, so I don't... We'll figure out, you know, getting myself into that again. Uh-huh. Uh, I will play Torment, uh, I have to say, Planescape now. Yes, because you can't call it Torment, because you might think of Tides of Numenera. Which is a fine game. I might have... I feel like I've said this before, it might have just been in a podcast. No, no, no. It was in a conversation with you in the car. Which is that, the other thing about this is that, uh, sorry if y'all can hear noise, uh, our roommates just got back from the grocery store and it sounds like they're just moving around upstairs. Should quiet down in a second. Um, the other thing I was saying to you was that I know that Planescape is the one of these to try if you want to try an older one. Um, I'd be interested to know... Because these have seen a small resurgence in recent years with Pillars of Eternity, with Tyranny, with Disco Elysium. I'd be curious of the modern ones, like what's the one to try? If Pillars you, of Eternity too, from my understanding, is the one mo people most like. And uh, that's, I can play that on my Switch, so that is a strong plus in that column. There's also one that I thought about buying for a long time and never ended up doing called Wasteland 2. Right. Which is apparently a successor to Wasteland, which might have been like a Fallout. Yeah, Fallout's a spiritual successor to, well, I'm going to make up years because I don't remember, but let's well, say. Let's not make up years. Well, whatever it is, Fallout came in like, Fallout came out in 1996, Wasteland came out in like 1993 and is like heavily inspired. Uh, it was a heavy well, inspiration okay. to. Wasteland came out in 1988. Okay. And Fallout was hugely, immensely inspired by Wasteland. That is my understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah. Setting and concept became the basis for Interplay's 1997 Fallout, which would extend... So, yeah, I don't know... So, I there was never... a huge, huge time gap there, 88 to 97. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've never played a Bioware game other than the time I rented Mass Effect from Blockbuster. Ugh. Yeah. I you just made my soda taste bad. Never played an Interplay game. I've never played a Black Isle game. Is that one of these companies? That's Thief, I thought. Do that might be. Thief? That might be. I've Thief never... is another one people say is good, and I just kind of side-eye it. Like, I don't know. I've I don't know about this one. I've played an Obsidian one. game. I, I would really like Thief. Thief is exactly my thing, except it's got a little bit of, like, too old and janky, and I just couldn't quite click with it. Yeah. If they did like a that's that's my thing when I say like I'm skeptical of people recommending me super old game it's games it's like okay but does this UI and this like player experience actually hold up in 2019 or was it really good back in the day because I am a baby and I have modern sensibilities about my video games and <clears throat> like I just if it's too weird or obtuse compared to what I'm used to. I just cannot engage with it. As a person less afflicted by this, as a person less afflicted by uh, baby disease, um... You mean pregnancy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I still feel like I put mm, an hour into Thief and was just like, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. I needed a little more something. That is definitely... I think I would like Thief if I gave it the time. I think that is a thing that I would like. I like stealth mm -hmm. games. Sure. 
That was the other thing is stealth game in first person is a weird prospect. Here's the thing is that if, and this is like an issue I had with Dishonored until I eventually got over it. Like, I want a stealth game to be like Deus Ex Human Revolution, where it's first person unless I hit cover, and then it's third person. Uh, I, I want to be able to switch between the two because it's a stealth game. I've never talked to you, I've never explained to you my Dishonored takes, or at least I have it on a microphone. Sure. Um, <clears throat> first of all, the two best stealth games ever are Mark of the Ninja and Splinter Cell Conviction, a.k.a. Mark of the Ninja in Three, di- three Dimensions. No. Uh, you are forgetting about Metal Gear Solid? Uh, it's fine. It's not as good as fucking Splinter Cell Conviction. Let me tell you something. That game rips. Let me tell you about Metal Gear Solid 4. Splinter Cell Conviction, to my knowledge, does not work if you purchase it on Steam and have Windows 10. Because I have tried. I have tried. Muff. I might try pirating Splinter Cell Conviction because it really sucks that I can't play Splinter Cell Conviction like anymore, it. and I that's like my favorite game. I Snake says Muff. I know you do. <laughs> it's in Twin Snakes, I think, is when he says Muff. Okay. Uh, it's great. He says Muff. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too. Remember in uh, Twin Snakes when uh, Otacon is telling his like monologue about why he became a scientist to work on war machines? And it pans over a fucking Yoshi statue on the desk. <laughs> I do know about that. I haven't seen Twin Snakes, but I do know about that. Um. Also, in uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, you go through the door that in Metal Gear Solid 1 prompts the disc change, because it's two discs. Uh... They make a joke about that in a Kodak where Onikon's like, it's time to switch discs. Oh, wait, we're on PlayStation 4. There's no need to, the Blu-rays have so much space in them. Yep. There's no need to change discs. Weird dunk on Lost Odyssey. Lost Odyssey? An Xbox 360 game that had like three discs because 360 did not have Blu-ray or whatever. Oh, right. This is not a dunk on Lost Odyssey. Metal Gear Solid 4 was on 360, right? No, it wasn't. That's not true. Metal Gear Solid 5 is the first one that appeared on Xbox. No. 2 and 3 were on Xbox. Okay. Originally. Metal Gear Solid 5 is the first one that debuted on a non-Sony console. Is that true? Unless you go back to before Solid. Wait, were 2 and 3 not on the Xbox? I thought they were on the Xbox. No. 2 and 3 are PlayStation exclusives. Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, 3, and 4 are all PlayStation exclusives. And Peace Walker. I thought that wasn't true. They were on PC. Okay, Metal Gear 1 is on PC. I don't think 2 and 3 are. 2 is definitely on PC. Okay, well, 3 isn't. I don't know. This is not good podcasting. (laughs) I am adamant that I am correct in my perception of the world around me, and you will not Bernstein me into thinking otherwise. Anyway... What the fuck were we talking about? We were talking about Splinter Cell Conviction. <clears throat> oh! Splinter Cell of the Mind's Eye. Thank you. Dishonored. <laughs> I didn't like Dishonored when I played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> because the very first time I played Dishonored, uh, I went through it on a non-lethal route, and it was not... It was really difficult, and I wasn't having a lot of fun. I wasn't really, like... Because I wasn't very good yet, mm-hmm. I imagine non-lethal is very fun if you're good at the game, but because I wasn't, I wasn't really, like, 
seeing the full potential of the game. It's more intricate and like you have to engage with more things. I don't know if that's necessarily fun by default. I know that right. in two there's a XY graph of lethality versus non-lethality and being seen versus not being seen. And so you can like work your way back if you like. You can compensate if you fuck up. Like I do a minimal death, not no kills in Dishonored. Right. Well, then I played the DLC for Dishonored 1, where you play as Dowd, the assassin. Mm -hmm. And that is a game where I'm like, well, I'm Dowd, the assassin. Why the fuck would I... Because I justified it as, well, Corvo, uh, if he starts going around killing people, it's kind of like seen as like casting a bad light on the crown. And also proof that he's bad, like everyone says. If Dowd goes around killing people... He's an assassin. It's what he does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I went through uh, the DLC, murdering, not caring. Sometimes I got seen. I didn't care too much, but I was trying to avoid getting seen. It wasn't like I was just running. And I was like, oh, my God, Dishonored is great. I was just playing it wrong. And so now I really want to play Dishonored 2, and particularly I want to play Death of the Outsider because I'm also because of that DLC, more invested in Billy Lurk and Dowd than I am in yeah, anything sure. going on with the crown. <laughs> do you, do we want to talk about Dishonored and, like, Monarchy at some point? Because that's, that's wild. Like, nobody, I feel like not a lot of people are really paying attention to Dishonored. Here's the thing, is Dishonored lore is rad as fuck. It's pretty cool. And uh, if we want to, like, read up on our lore and have an excuse you to know talk Corvo about it. has a sister who's older and cooler than him? No, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. You can go to Corvo's, like, childhood home in Dishonored 2, and you can find, like, diary entries from his sister who's older and cooler, and she shows up in the comics, and she's, like, a cool adventurer. Yeah, we should... We should get educated on Dishonored lore. I really want to play Death of the Outsider. Dishonored 2... Uh, you want to play Dodo? I do want to play Dodo. Um, <laughs> Dodo 2. <laughs> Dishonored 2, um, I picked up, got through the first two levels. I liked it. The problem was I was playing as Emily, and I don't like Emily's powers as much as Corvo's, actually. I like hers better. I liked hers better. And so I'm... Um, then I was like, but I don't want to restart the game just because I like Corvo's powers... I don't know. I was never quite in a great place with Dishonored 2 of, like, starting the game, restarting the game. Oh, fuck, I forgot what I was doing, so I have to restart. I don't know. You know, you can also play the game without powers. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. The narrative choice of being able to be like Emily and be like, no, I, my dad told me about your shit. I'm not going to take your fucking Eldritch Pact. Get out of my fucking bedroom. I will do my own shit. That's kind of cool. That's, that is cool narratively. I'm not saying it's not cool narratively. What I'm saying is that when I already had this experience with the first game where I was trying to play it in a way that was more narratively interesting than, like, fun, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do that again. I, will I don't want to ruin Dishonored 2 for myself when I already kind of ruined Dishonored 1 for myself. I will sometimes play something that is more narratively interesting than it is good. Yes. Uh... Speaking of things that are more narratively interesting than they are good, we wanted to talk about Terminator tonight. We did. Uh, I didn't think Terminator 3 was narratively interesting, <laughs> so go off, I guess. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> we watched Terminator 3 today. Yeah, which is my favorite Terminator movie. I think it's boring. I'm sorry. No, it's, it is. It's boring. I didn't it's also think good. it was very interesting. But you also think that um, Blade Runner is good, and that's a movie I find criminally boring. That's fair. Um, At least yours is boring by intent, unlike mine. Let's... <laughs> Let's get this on the record here. <clears throat> okay. I think Terminator 1... You want to do our like, ranking so far? Yeah, I think Terminator 1, Stone Cold Classic. Absolutely. 10 out of 10, great movie, amazing movie. Should we do Terminator on Cower Hour? May, you could make an argument for Terminator 1 as a horror movie, for sure. I've always been told that it's a horror movie, and I'm like, I I'm not sure if I believe that, but... I think it is a... I think it is an action movie that takes a surprising amount of cues from horror films. I think the farther away from action movie Terminator gets, the better it is. Yes. Just in general. Yes. Which is why Terminator 3 sucks. Which is why Terminator 2 sucks. That's fair. See, okay, Terminator, <laughs> great. Terminator 2, that's fine. If it's you fine. Are, if you want to watch a movie for two hours, Terminator 2, you could make worse choices. You could make a lot worse choices than Terminator 2. It's like, compared to the sum of film that exists, it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> I don't even know about that. It's fine. It's really competent. It's, yes, it is competent. Terminator 2, the most competent movie. It's just not interesting enough or good enough to like push it into a thing that i l actively like it's just one of those that i'm like yeah that's good that's i i accept that, that is good yeah i would never put it in like if i were the one assembling the western canon of films terminator 2 would not be in it the did i ever tell you about uh, a bad podcast i used to listen to called the canon oh uh which has a really great premise if anyone wants to <clears throat> steal it. What's that? Which is that... They fire movies out of a cannon if they're bad. <laughs> every two, every week, they would bring two movies, and they would argue which one belongs in the canon, mm. you know? Um, did they do, like, Alien versus Aliens? They did do Alien versus Aliens. <laughs> one of those movies is good. <laughs> one of those movies is good. And the other one is great. One of those movies is good. I haven't seen Aliens because I just assume I'll hate it. <laughs> Alien is the best movie ever, and so I've just never watched Aliens because I assume I'll hate it and I don't care. I think that Aliens is better than Terminator 2. Aliens as, as a follow-up to Alien is better than Terminator 2 as a follow-up to Terminator. I will say, I am very invested in the Terminator franchise because I'm a slut for time travel. Anyway. This is why this came up is because I really fucking care about Terminator, the movies at least. Anyway, the canon, great pitch for a podcast. They had the sort of audience where they never, the two hosts never chose what went into the canon. They always um, left it up to the audience in a poll, uh, and the audience made a lot of right choices. The audience made a lot of wrong choices. I think they chose Empire over Star Wars, which that's is... fucked up. That's fucked up. You can't put Empire in there and not have a new hope. Anyway. Mm, mm, Empire relies on the two movies around it to exist. Anyway. Ah. It, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. You can't... Mm, I will watch Terminator, Alien, and Star Wars over uh, their sequels any day. Anyway. Um, 
Are we becoming old people? Maybe. This podcast uh, was eventually canceled both figuratively and literally because Devin Faraci is a rapist. And also, the whole, like, fun dynamic that the two co-hosts, that the two hosts had is that Devin Faraci uh, just harassed uh, Amy, just, like, just constantly was doing sexual harassment at her or gender-based harassment at her and calling her a dumb blonde and shit. It's really bad. So someone should take that idea for a podcast because it's a great idea for a podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, and just, if you take it, all I ask, don't rape people. <laughs> I would maybe ask that of most people in general. <laughs> I would ask that of all people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry for the weird divergence into podcast I like. They definitely did Terminator versus Terminator 2, Alien versus Aliens. They also did, like, things you wouldn't guess. I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. You like like me? They would do, like, I don't know, Ferris Bueller versus Fast Times at Ridgemont High because it would just be two classic high school movies. It wouldn't just be... Well, one of those is a movie I've seen. Which one? Ferris Bueller. Same. I haven't seen Fast Times. Never heard of it. It's... I'm sure it's fine. I've seen the last 30 minutes of it on TV once. It was fine. Anyway. Shrug. Here's another thing. Have you seen Back to the Future? I have seen Back to the Future. I have not seen Back to the Future 2 or 3. I don't care for Back to the Future. Okay. You I you really, really you really put that out front. You really headed that one off at the pass. Here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing is that I don't really like Back to the Future... Everybody else does. Every time I say it, everybody gets mad at me. So one, I try not to talk about it. And two, if I have to talk about it, I just, we just cut, rip the Band-Aid off. We just say, I don't like Back to the Future that much. And we just <clears throat> move fine. on. Those, both, all three of those movies, in my opinion, are fantastic. And I loved them a lot as a child and have not revisited them in a while. So. Robert Zemeckis is like a weird Republican asshole. That's all I know. I don't know who that is. He's the director. Forrest Listen, Gump is the most conservative movie ever made, maybe. Pe- nobody made Back to the Future. It arrived from the ether <laughs> when I was a child. Hatsune Miku made. <laughs> no, I don't... I have never thought about Back to the Future as a thing made by people. It is just a f- facet of culture that exists around me that is like the wind or the you're, sun. You're valid. You're I have, valid. I have never chosen to acknowledge that people were involved in making Back to the Future outside of the one fun fact everyone knows about how Marty McFly, there were scenes shot of Marty McFly as a different actor, and that actor was replaced, and that other actor eventually ended up in Interstitial. Didn't know any of that. That's why he's in Interstitial, because he was like a right. retconned out. That's fun. That's fun. Um... <sighs> Interstitial AP, hashtag Interstitial AP. It's a good podcast. That doesn't play on the... I did the hashtag sign with my hands. It doesn't really play on a podcast. Um, Anyway, I like Back to the Future a lot because, again, I'm a slut for time travel. Uh, I should do a time travel podcast sometime where I just, like, talk about time travel stories. Hmm. That would be fun. I don't know who would want to be on that with me, though. I don't have a good person in mind because you don't give a shit. No, I just talk about Majora's Mask. The only okay. good time travel story. That's not true. That's not That's true. That's not true. 
But I do really like Majora's Mask. I really like thinking about Majora's Mask yes, and perhaps watching someone else play Majora's Mask. Not even that. <laughs> I was I would sooner watch a video essay about the themes of Majora's Mask than I would watch someone play Majora's Mask. And I don't want to watch a video essay about the themes of Majora's Mask. Can I tell you something? The themes of Majora's Mask are fascinating. I love them. They're great. Did you know that Zelda at one point was dark? Oh, shut and the it fuck was up. Sinister. Shut it the was fuck macabre. up. It's so much more than that. Not in this video essay. In this video essay, I will. <laughs> Majora's Mask is a game that, like. I'm not doing this discourse with you. It's great. Majora- I'm not a person who cares about Zelda as video games. Majora- it's a weird thing, okay. you know. Majora's Mask, this is all I will say. We don't have to do okay. a deep dive sure. on Majora's yeah. Mask. But Majora's Mask is a much friendlier game than people give it credit for. It yes. is a much lighter game, uh, despite optimistic. the darkness. And on the flip side, I've always been really attracted to Wind Waker because it is a very dark and sinister game uh, if you just get over the fact that it's got cartoon graphics. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think about that. Is a thing that I always think is really interesting about those two games. Uh, that you know, what no I think one is really interesting about, about Wind Waker. Huh. <laughs> that time they turned Tetra white. <laughs> <sighs> There's no defense for it, right? No, I just every time it comes, every time Wind Waker comes up, I'm reminded that at one point there's a cutscene where Tetra becomes a white girl. Yeah. Not only does Tetra become yes, a white girl... immediately afterward. She is also removed as a character with agency in the story and instead becomes the damsel in distress. She's shackled by the princess dress. Yes. It is one of... Besides the transphobia in Breath of the Wild, one of the most disgusting things that Nintendo's ever done. It also just happens... It happens to occur in my favorite video game ever. Yes. Consuming media is a constant, like... You know, bal- struggle. <laughs> struggle. First, first of all, it's a struggle to consume media these days. Let me tell That's you. That's true. But also, these things are in our heads all the time, twenty four seven. You know how it is. Double think. Mm-hmm. That's what double think is. I'm pretty sure is when you consume problematic media. Yeah, I read nineteen eighty four. I know all about double think. Ask me yeah. about nineteen eighty four. Who wrote it? Orson Welles. Next question. <laughs> what time? What year does it take place? 1987. Next question. (laughs) (sighs) The Spanish Civil War. Next question. (laughs) That's a really funny joke if you know things about George Orwell. I've only read one George Orwell book, and it is Homage to Catalonia. Cool. That book's all right. Uh, I think think it's time to wrap up. I never talked about fascism. I just meant. I know. Listeners, remember when I told you that things would get quieter? They did not get quieter. I apologize about that. We're going to resume the podcast now if you're okay with that. Uh, I'm going to just mark that so I can easily a little amplify on that. So we watched a video. We were thinking about podcasting. We were getting the podcasting engines revving. It was the juices t- were starting to flow, but they were still the engine, kind of... The engine wasn't turning over because it's been a little bit. Also, I had to start my car twice when I was coming home from the Church's Chicken today because it wouldn't, it wouldn't like, turn over. That's fun. 
Okay. He does that sometimes. I'm just going to hope that's for the cold. I also need to get my tires checked or something because my tires keep getting low pressure and I assume it's just because of the change in the weather, but I want to get that checked. Yeah. Because I just got those replaced in like three months ago. That was me. No, no. I oh, also, you got, also got tires. Yes, oh, okay. I also got tires. I got tires because I spun out on the road that one time. Right. On my first day here in St. Louis. Yes. Anyway. That was, fun. That was real fun and flirty. Anyway. <clears throat> so we watched the video. Um, I'm going to preface this with saying... Uh, I'm very... Lin- cr- Lindsay I'm- Ellis is a content creator who I enjoy. I generally like her essays. I would recommend a handful of them to... Sure. I would recommend, like, three or four of them. Yes. Specifically. The rest of them are, like, mostly good, not to the point that I would be like... I would out, go outwardly say, oh, ha- yes, here, I would, like, recommend or encourage someone to... I would recommend The Hobbit ones. The Hobbit ones are great. Woke Disney, perhaps. The Hercules one is good. The Hercules one is good. Um, Some of them are not as interesting, but that's the nature of making content. Uh, I, the Hercules one for me specifically highlights that uh, I'm reminded that when I was a film person, I was very interested in formalism, and Lindsay Ellis, if she is interested in that sort of thing, does not make video essays about it. I'm burping. I'm apologizing. Sorry. Uh, I'm very interested in formalism. Lindsay Ellis never talks about that. My, There will never be a replacement for every frame of painting. Every frame of painting will always be, like, the gold standard to me in my head of, like, YouTube video essay. I I don't know anything about formalism, but if I start that Time Travel Stories podcast, I can, like, dress up for it, if that helps. Like, like if I'm dressing formally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Solid two and a half seconds. Um, <laughs> but we watched a video that she did, because generally I like her videos. Oh, right, but I wanted to also caveat this with, she has recently come out defending ContraPoints. I don't know. I think it's, we can move on from that and just say we are extremely critical of some of Lindsay Ellis's like, yes. personal decisions uh, and we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about this essay because we uh, want to. Yes. And I don't give a shit. It is also shit. like, it is also like, we are happening to just talk about the video of hers I've seen that I like the least. <clears throat> I think it is the most like limited uh, in scope uh, yeah, yeah. by it's neoliberal a, brain poison. It's kind of shallow. It's. Um, I just wanted to say like I'm not going to be like. We we know. We know. We know. I watched the video essay like even said, though I know. Like I said, I don't know. consuming content. Consuming content. You know how it's it is. fraught. Uh, I'm pretty sure Lindsay Ellis has videos about how consuming content is fraught. Probably. Anyway. It was the one about the producers. Yeah. Uh, that's the one that I think everybody, like, well, you have known her because you were a nostalgia critic person. I feel like... A lot of people got introduced to her. You don't get to just say that I was a nostalgia critic person. <laughs> That's rude. You just outed me. 
Yes, when I was a teenager, I watched a lot of Nostalgia Critic and related videos. I got introduced to her through that producer's video, and I, I think a lot of people did. Uh, it feels like she's had a resurgence since that video came out. Anyway, 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 anyway. She had a video about uh, the ideology of the First Order. Um, Which I, at first, I'd seen this before today. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I was skeptical of going into it was like, okay, but you're not like a Star Wars person, which is not necessary to think about these things. But like, the people that I listen to for Star Wars criticism mm-hmm. are like the podcast Never Tell Me the Pods. They are so deep into it, and they're like picking it apart, and they clearly have a deep love for this stuff, even when it is bad or racist or like shallow and like that perspective of like being very very familiar with this material is the one that i would generally go to for this kind of like criticism whereas i think me and Lindsay ellis are much more on the same level of like star wars uh it seems like she's read a handful of the books but is not like that deep in it Mm mm-hmm Um, she has read the ones that if you say she mentions in that video the thrawn trilogy and the one that directly addresses the thing that she's talking about. If you go on the internet and say, what Star Wars book should I read? If you don't say anything, people will say Thrawn Trilogy. If you say New Canon, people will say Bloodline. Okay. Like, those are the ones people will tell you to read right. if you want to get into Star Wars books. Okay. Like, I didn't know how significant Bloodline was. It's a fan favorite. Okay. Yeah. Good it's all know. about Leia. So. Okay, yeah. It's, it's all about... That cover is rad. <clears throat> the cover's rad. That, that, part of that book is about it coming out that Leia, who is this prominent politician, is the daughter of Darth Vader, the right hand of the Empire. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a cool pitch. Are you sure we can't read new canon books? We should no. read new canon books. Like, we, should, we should get... I want the real shit. I, don't want, I want the real shit. <laughs> I want the real uncut shit. <laughs> you know what the other thing... That, that audiobook of From the Adventures of Luke Skywalker cuts the prologue that I thought was so interesting where it frames Darth Sidious right. as, like, Darth Sidious just lets all the... First of all, it says the name Darth Sidious and or Palpatine. Yeah, it's, it said Palpatine. It says Palpatine. It doesn't say Darth Sidious. But it says, like, it frames him as just another bureaucrat who just lets thousands of smaller, petty bureaucrats do whatever they want. And, he, like, the Empire is a... Cor- place of corruption literally as in like bribery and stuff it's like a weird prologue that doesn't really fit with how anyone imagines the empire yeah weird tangent back to our last podcast that i brought up i feel like he kind of like just took that out and like started using that for the prequel stuff yeah yeah um sorry uh but we watched this uh i guess my main takeaway from this uh was that like she ends the video with she ends the video saying something about how we should like briefly say what this video is right she's talking about what it, trying to pin down what exactly is the ideology of the first order uh, in doing so examines what is the ideology of the empire in the first trilogy what is the ideology of palpatine in the prequel trilogy and now what is the ideology of the, the First Order in this new trilogy. And through that, like, talks about the ideology of fascism. Yes. And, um... Is a little bit doing a, like... 
what is fascism? Because I think we all live in a, in a place now where we're all confronted by fascism in our day-to-day lives. Uh, a thing I think a lot of people... A lot of people don't then look up what fascism is. I think and we also all have... I will say a lot of people have been well aware we have been confronted with fascism in our daily lives before now. Mm-hmm. It was just... People were not aware in the same way that they are right now, i.e. white people were not as aware of the fascism in our day-to-day lives. Right. Um, and so she leans heavily on an essay from Umberto Eco. Uh, it talks about how, you know, fascists radicalize uh, often uh, in modern history uh, young white men um, to, like, they must be heroes saving, um, the nation, uh, they must serve the nation, uh, talks about radicalizing, uh, these sorts of people into, like, cults of heroism, cults of, like, death cults, like, all these sorts of things, blah, 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 um, and, uh, you know, talks about how it is hard to pin down what exactly the First Order believes in. Like, no one's ever saying, here are the pol- the policies of the New Republic, and here is why the First Order has arisen as a response to that. No one's ever talked about that in the movies, because that's not what Star Wars is. Star Wars is a battle between good and evil. Part of that book is about the two political parties in the New Republic. The centrists and the populists. Yes, which are... Which is, <laughs> which is wild that they are called this... One of the... So the crypto-fascists are called the centrists. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who want a strong centralized government in the Galactic Republic versus the populists, which want a more uh, not centralized Mm -hmm. power structure in terms of, like, what independent systems can do or whatever. I didn't read this book, but I I listened to a very good episode of Never Tell Me the Pods about this book where they broke down that whole political, like, a divide and the characters at play in it and the whole plot about Darth Vader and everything. It's, it, that podcast good. Um, and one of the conclusions she arrives to is it's hard to pin down the, the exact things that the First Order believes, but in her telling, that is because, like, fascists often, uh, like, lack specificity in their ideology. Um, and they are just, you know, Kylo Ren's young white men uh, radicalized to um, protect, uh, just radicalized, you know, radicalized to do stuff, but not anything specific, you know. Um, I think is one of the things that she says about fascism and these movies. Um, and then she ends with, she ends with this thing about how, um, she ends with saying something like, so the question arises, what are we supposed to do about this? Are we like supposed to not like Star Wars anymore because it like has fascism in it? Am I not supposed to buy my Darth Vader pajamas? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then so you are annihilating these tomatoes. Yeah, dog. I just finished the tomatoes. 
You're about to. Now you're the one chewing while we're on the podcast. <laughs> My elder turns have tabled. Anyway, um, says, but you know, there's nothing to do necessarily about all this. It's just important that we are cognizant of the ways that Disney is marketing fascist aesthetics to us, and that we just need to be aware of these things. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I found it very frustrating that, and I I think it highlighted, oh, and the, the last thing she says in the video, the last thing she says in the video is that, you know, it is important to be aware of these things, and it is important to be aware of how the context is different of selling you you know, fascist aesthetics in 1977 versus selling it to you in 2017, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, fascism has returned to the world or whatever. Dracula's you know, Castle heavy, is back. Heavy, heavy air quotes, fascism has returned, you know? Dracula's Castle is fascism. As if, as if in 1977 we were not uh, recovering from the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Recovering from is a weird word because, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm I'm not going to explain the Vietnam War. Living in the uh, aftermath of of the Vietnam War, yes. um, uh, I found it very frustrating because, like, yes, we should be aware of that, and I feel that like awareness doesn't. Do anything? Yeah, it does. It gets you clicks on your video. Like, what is aware awareness of fascism in the world do without also giving people, like, ideology to combat fascism? Well, you see, this makes sense if you don't believe that... Um, if you think of fascism as an aberration of a norm that is good... Right. Then it becomes watch out for the fascism, not you should take up this thing to fight this other thing. Right. Right. If you believe that there is a status quo that is good and, like, a neutrality that is good that we should aspire to return to, then it is easy to see fascism as the aberration, the virus, the, like, the sickness in the body that we just need to get rid of and then we'll be back to normal, everything will be fine. Like, subscribe. Right. Comment. And it's interesting you say the words sickness in the body mm-hmm. because um, I'm going to... So I'm going to be paraphrasing. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of a podcast called The Red Menace, which is a book that is... Re- or a podcast that is reading, like, important books about, like, leftist politics. And I don't mean leftist in the, like, largely toothless way that a lot of people say leftist now. I mean, like socialist, communist, anarchist, like, we are reading Lenin, Engels, Marx, like, you're actually in it, you know, and you're reading theory and you're trying to understand how theory informs praxis, uh, Mm -hmm. not just putting punch Nazis in your Twitter bio uh, and then saying, I don't want to read the news, it's too scary, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I've been... Listening to a lot of that, uh, 
And so I'm going to be paraphrasing something that they say, um, which I believe is in their second or third episode, which is about um, in, in Lenin's book, Imperialism, the Highest Form of Capitalism, where Lenin uh, talks about how fascism is not a sickness of capitalism. Fascist is Fascism is the autoimmune response of capitalism. And so if, like, capitalist power sees something threatening to it, like perhaps in uh, 2018 America, you know, this is me as not a, a very well-educated person, but, like, just trying to quickly diagnose this, see this, seeing a black president, seeing uh, the advancement of LGBTQ rights, seeing the progress, quote-unquote, that we made in the last eight years, uh, the autoimmune response of, like, no, we must restore order, we must restore, like, how things were. And because capitalists need order as it was, as it will always be, that is, like... And so fascism is, like, radicalizing young men, not in this directionless way that she talks about, but in a, like restoring the order of capitalism and all this. And we can see this in, like, Ben Shapiro talks about how, you know, capitalism is the most efficient economic system or whatever the fuck he says. I don't fucking know anything about Ben Shapiro. He doesn't know how floods work. He doesn't know how floods work, that's true. I'm not sure what that was. I'm not sure what that was. Um, But, like, it's really frustrating to watch a video and say, and hear people, there are a lot of people who I imagine, and I don't know if this, you're grabbing me. I just gently moving you an away inch from away, the, from, away okay. from the microphone, okay. that's all. <laughs> there are a lot of people I feel very frustrated by uh, who are content to put punch Nazis, leftist in their Twitter bio, but, and I don't want to ascribe too much to Lindsay Ellis, but I it seems like she's got this sort of thing going on where you say leftist, but what does leftism mean? Does leftism mean voting for Elizabeth Warren uh, and hoping Elizabeth Warren fixes the broken system we have that is built on colonization and slavery? Or does leftism mean, like, radically rethinking uh, what is possible and what we have to do in order to realize uh, this radical rethinking of what is possible, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, one, I don't agree with how she defines fascism in that video, and two, I don't agree with the, like, lack of direction that the video ends in. I Like, if I were making that video, I would say... This would be, should, like, the first half. Y'all should go listen to the Red Menace episode about um, about imperialism, the highest form of capitalism, and then you should go read Lenin, you know? <laughs> I've been told to read Lenin a lot lately. And I don't even... As a person who is very, like, still getting educated on all of these things, I don't even know that I identify as a Leninist. Uh, when I've listened to Rev Left Radio, the sister podcast, or perhaps more appropriately, like, the mother podcast of Red Menace. Mm -hmm. um, they periodically have anarchists on, and I find myself agreeing more with anarchists than Marxists and Leninists. Uh, well, 
more with anarchists than Marxist-Leninists. Yeah. I should be yeah. specific uh -huh. about joining those two things because they're. Do they have any Maoists on there? Oh yes, they do. Okay. Yes, the the host is I would I believe the host describes himself as a uh, Marxist-Leninist Maoist. Um, men loving men. <laughs> I believe I believe uh, the co-host of Red Red Menace describes herself as a Marxist-Leninist, but not a Maoist. Um, it also helps that like. Rev Left Radio, the guy who hosts that, is, as far as I know, a cishet white guy. Uh, Red Menace, uh, his co-host, is a trans woman of color. And, like, that helps it just, like, not be repellent to me <laughs> of having cishet white men explain politics to me. Um, so, yeah, I guess I want to end this podcast on, like, everybody should just... Go read Lennon. <laughs> go, go listen to Red Menace, like... Get edu like try to educate yourselves on politics. Uh, I find a tendency in myself. Uh, I think the reason it makes me so mad that others don't go do the reading or listening or whatever it is, like accessing these resources, I find it so frustrating in others because I have spent years and years and years telling myself that I would, I will read the theory at some point and not reading any sort of theory. Um, and I'm still at that point because the last time I listened to Red Menace was two months ago, probably. Um, and so, yeah, people should just go, I, I guess I'm just ending on a call to action of like, go read, read literature, leftist literature, go read sure. Lenin. Like, even if I don't necessarily like agree with all the things that I've heard Lenin say, I think people should read Lenin, um, I have heard, I, I have not read a whole lot of stuff. I have definitely heard some things of Lenin that are, like, interesting, but outside of any context, so I don't know how to feel about them. Right. And also, without any context of praxis, so I don't know, is this actually a super horrible idea to try? Because who knows? Right. Like, I find myself <clears throat> skeptical about the idea of a vanguard party, but at least in what I have read so far... I, uh, I have not heard people talk about the concept of a vanguard party much, either in practice or in theory, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, so, Yeah, I would love to be able to consume and understand words again so that I could read books. But uh, Listen to Red Menace. You don't have to read words. It's simple. Uh, especially words written 250 years ago. Yeah. It's kind of rough. Yeah. I know I'm being a little hyperbolic there. No, it's fine. Like... Language changes, and, like, I also... also it's like... I know what it is like to be in a space where you and your friends are all pulling from the same pool of ideologies and, like, writing things for your viewpoints that are not trying to bring people into those viewpoints artistically, uh, just not in the context of... Like political theory, right? Like in artistic directions, I totally understand. <coughs> like being part of a movement in in an art scene that is like very that you can sometimes get into the the space where you are kind of writing for each other. Um, so I get it, I, I get it. It's just hard for me to like engage with sometimes. Yeah. What's the next one after Mao? Who's the next doctor? Mo Chi Minh, I Marxist, guess? Marxist, Leninist, Maoist. 
Who's next? Pol Pot? I don't know. Who's I just I don't know anything about Ho Chi Minh or Pol Pot. Don't fucking quote me on that. If they're terrible people, <laughs> they probably because, are. All famous people are terrible. Because my understanding from the American education system is that those are not great people. You just put me on the spot of having to name I, I famous was making communists. A joke. I was making a joke. Of but like, I needed, you set me up to deliver you a punchline, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Robin Williams. I might say something terrible. Probably. Where can people find you online? Find me on Twitter at NeitherNora or at Zoetics. That's Poetics spelled with an X. Medium.com slash at Nora F. Blake or Medium.com slash at Zoe Mars. X-O-E-M-A-R-S. You can find me also on the Cower Hour, which is another podcast on this podcast network, where I and my friend Briar watch horror movies. Uh, We just put out our episode on The Witch. Which was a, a good, good movie. What episode are you recording tomorrow? Oh God, we're doing that tomorrow. It's the Blair Witch Project. You haven't watched that movie yet. Weird. Shut up. <laughs> <coughs> I took you to I the apologize. ER. You can't criticize me. <laughs> uh, I apologize for that cough. I'm gonna try and edit out some of the coughing and sneezing, but I'm not gonna have a 100% success rate. I'm sorry, everybody. This podcast is going to have weird audio quality. I really tempted fate when in the first 10 seconds I said, yeah, we're going to have much better audio quality, and then we're coughing and sneezing, and there's all sorts of things going on. I apologize, everybody. As soon as we start talking about fascism, somebody's doing the dishes, and there's a car alarm outside. Right. <laughs> um, you find me on Twitter at Allison underscore coffee, A-L-I-S-O-N underscore coffee. My pinned tweet's got my podcast's. Uh, it doesn't have Titans in there. I don't know. I might need to update my pinned tweet again just because, like, our... I need to do that because I changed Zoe's, uh, hat. The export audio, like... Milieu? We're very erratic we are, over here. We're and real so... entropists over here. And so I, I made... <laughs> I made up a, a space religion for a thing I'm writing called Entropism, and then I Googled it and found a really boring manifesto about, like, just not rocking the boat and not, like, just be a good little capitalist drone or whatever and, like, pursue the status quo and, like, it's all good. Like, don't... Yeah, anyway, it was really boring, uh, and I'm going to turn that word into something better in the thing I'm writing, I hope. Dab. I dabbed. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry for how erratic we've been. Uh, the wedding, followed immediately by uh, massive illness, has really thrown everything off, uh, as you've undoubtedly noticed. Uh, aeroplane got delayed by a week. I was supposed to be recording aeroplane today, and like when I was in the ER, M just thankfully texted me. We'll put it off to next week. I was very thankful to M mm-hmm. in that moment because uh, I can't give myself a day off. Um, you really can't. It is like pulling teeth to get you to relax for two days. Yes. You work tomorrow, though, right? I work tomorrow. Go back. Tomorrow's Red Cup Day. Everybody, please pray for me. Um, what does that mean? So tomorrow at work um, is the launch of all the holiday drinks, mm-hmm. which means that we will be getting... 
an amount. I'm not going to say a number. It might be some corporate secret or something, but we will be getting an amount of these plastic red cups. If you cut my recollection of how it worked last year, my memory is a little hazy. So don't quote me on is any this of this. Is the cup that you wanted and didn't get? No, this is a different thing. Okay. If you come in and we have the red cups and you buy a drink, we will give you this red cup for free and until the end of the holiday season, which might be like January 1st, I think. I don't know. Until the end of the holiday season, you can get... 50 cents off your drink if you bring in your red cup and have us make your drink in the red cup. That's all it is. We have a very limited supply of these things. Mm -hmm. Last year, I recall us running out by 11 11.30 in the morning, and people... Oh my god, people are want their <laughs> fucking red cups See, so what fucking I this, bad. What I thought this was, was... Um, Tomorrow's the day we start putting all our coffee in red coffee cups that don't say Merry Christmas, so pray for my soul. I thought we were doing no, 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 Starbucks no. coffee cup discourse. We do. We are going to do that. No one has ever gotten mad at us for not printing Merry Christmas on the cup, as far as I know. At your store. At our store. Uh, this was discourse, remember? I do know. I do know that, because, um, like, last year uh, we had, like, fun prints on every cup i was told that like three or four years ago like the cup came out and it was literally just a plain red cup like most of the year we have a plain white cup and now we just have a plain red cup Mm -hmm. and people were mad that it didn't have a fun design like it had had in previous years and people complain so basically all week i am going to be dealing with 100 phone calls asking me do you have red cups it will still be going on on friday when we almost certainly do not have red cups someone will be calling me and saying do you have red cups red cups also here's a quick starbucks tip for you anytime you come in all year and you bring us a cup to make your drink in you get a 10 cent discount it's just that this special cup for two months is going to get you a 50 cent discount. There are so many people who are going to religiously bring in their red cup every single time for their 50 cent discount that are not going to be bringing in just a metal cup they buy at Walmart for 10 bucks. I'll give you an even better secret, folks. If you get engaged to a barista, sometimes the, the discount is even better. Sometimes. Sometimes you get their drink. Yes. Anyway. Or so I hear. I would never ask... I uh, would never violate company policy exactly. in such a way. This is parody. Parody. We're not actually engaged. It's a podcast bit. <laughs> I'm literally wearing my ring right now. <laughs> Did you put that on just to record the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I like you. I like you. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. You're gonna go fuck. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>